Welcome to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's On the Wing Podcast. Buckle up and ride shotgun as we cover everything you need to know about the uplands. The habitat. The hunting. And of course, your favorite bird dogs. Welcome back to Rooster Road Trip 2021. And I can't imagine a much better setting to wrap up this uh, particular year's trip across the Dakotas. We are in the front yard. Is this considered the front yard or the backyard, Ben? I, you know, I guess I don't use those uh, suburban uh, <laughs> types of lingo. I, sorry, man. I guess it's just it's the ranch. It's whatever. Uh, the voice you hear is Ben Lardy, our uh, Pheasants Forever soil health and habitat specialist and our host um, today in South Dakota, Glacial Lakes area of South Dakota, um, eastern South Dakota. And we're... On a picnic table in his front yard, backyard slash ranch. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. gorgeous out. And it, when we pulled up this morning, it was uh, you know it carrying on the theme from yes uh, yesterday's visit to uh, Terry Redland GPA. It it looked like a Terry Redland setting here in your backyard with geese and swans and uh, a few roosters flying around. Yeah, you know, got might have to get into some oil paints or something here <laughs> one of these days, but no, I appreciate it. I mean, we're super lucky out here, and uh, uh, yeah, no, we, we scored this property here last fall and, and been loving it ever since, and um, yeah, just, it's, like I said, th- these fall days and uh, with the ducks flying over, the pheasants crowing. Yeah, it don't get no better than that. Man. Yeah, it's you got chickens, and I saw you got Brussels sprouts ready to yep, pop yep. off the stem. And the man after my own heart, Brussels sprouts <laughs> from the garden. <laughs> no, no doubt, we do a little funny farming, little of this, little of that, uh, but still, primarily, still kind of uh, want to do what's best for wildlife too. But make, uh, yeah, raise a few crops, raise a few uh, head of livestock. But we got a few birds around here too. Yes, so you do. Lots of lots of hens, if that's a teaser. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was that's strategic. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Andrew Vavra, director of marketing, and the uh, the lead for Rooster Road Trip, been on every single darn one, and and now coming to an end of the 2021 version. Um, we won't get into too much of uh, your your thoughts because we'll we'll have a a. Um, a kind of a podcast at the end where after this all marinates but um been a good trip yeah absolutely uh as you teased we'll be having an overall recap podcast uh the week following this one but uh today was a gorgeous day to end on um and honestly there was a little sense of relief when we were walking out of that last field just knowing that no major accidents no no one got hurt all the dogs survived Little little Baxter wiggled his way onto the injured reserve for a couple of days, but he he made it back for you know, the the last two days. Um, so overall, like a, a huge success. We saw lots and lots of birds, but uh, we'll break that down further in, uh, next week's podcast. Well, let's uh, you go ahead and introduce uh, the fourth rounding out our podcast. He's the newest member of your team and uh, the newest member of the Rooster Road Trip. Yeah, the, the newest and youngest member of our team now, uh, just making me feel older and older here. Um, Hunter Booth, he is our new graphic designer. Um, 
he definitely had uh, some bonus uh, background in photo and video, and that gave him a little bit of an edge to, to help land a spot on our squad. And so uh, Aaron Blackschmidt is our head video production specialist for Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, and he's he's the main brains behind uh, everything that people will be, you know, well, what hopefully you have been watching uh, every week leading up to this, and, and what you'll you'll see for this week's episode as well. Um, but we figured since we're not doing the crazy live post at the end of the, the day every day, we could probably have a, a second camera because we could actually handle going through that much footage. Um, so Hunter got voluntold that he's, he's, <laughs> he's coming on, on the rooster road trip, uh, freshly minted, but, uh, it's a pretty great way to haze someone, I guess, in, in, in a, an HR-appropriate way. Do you way. feel hazed? I don't feel <laughs> hazed, no. You, you've enjoyed this as much as anybody. Oh, this is a dream, yeah. I mean, I've never experienced anything like this, let alone upland hunting. Yeah, so let, let's let's get into this a little bit, Hunter. So uh, give us a little bit of your background and what, what you're into. All right, well, um, hardcore waterfowler is probably the best way to describe me, as you guys have probably noticed on this trip. Um, trying to keep my eyes on the ground instead of the sky, for sure. <laughs> you, uh, you were a giddy school kid when we pulled up to Ben Lardy's place this morning. There's a duck or two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, duck or two to say the least. Yeah, no, it's beautiful out here. Um, I mean, what a way to be introduced to upland hunting. Um, I, don't, I don't know what else to say, honestly. It, you guys are a great team to be a part of, and you guys are great teachers. Um just showing me all the little things and what to do, what not to do. Um, I've asked a bunch of questions to try to wrap my head around a whole different style of hunting, and you guys have done a great job of explaining things to me. So it, it, you mentioned you're a hardcore duck hunter. I mean, you consume – you drove out with me, and you consumed duck hunting video virtually the entire time. You are a, a fanatic. So – as you walk through these pheasant fields across the Dakotas, and you know you've seen sharp tails, you've seen roosters, um, you've seen dog work. What are what are some of the things that have kind of caught your attention? Like, huh, that's really different than what I'm used to doing, or something that's really piqued your interest. I would say the surprise factor of, I mean, the pheasants are holding. There were some days that they weren't holding as tight. Um, such as in North Dakota, they were getting up in front of us quite a bit. But um, earlier today, that rooster popped up pretty close to us, and I, I would say the surprise factor. I mean, you can see ducks coming, geese coming from a wide, uh, from a distance, mm -hmm. you know, or you can hear them rounding the corner of the trees. And um, yeah, it's definitely a change of pace. It's well, just, you actually have a pace because you have to move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's the other. That's the other difference is that's that's a lot more movement than duck hunting, whether you're sitting in a blind or, um, uh, sitting in a field in a layout blind. Um, there's a lot of covering ground to do. Were you prepared for how much walking we did? I was told on average how much we were going to walk about eight to ten miles, but uh, yeah, I haven't done it this consistently, <laughs> you know, but. Uh, I like it. The boots held up great. They're all good. So overall, so good. So uh, one thing that's always caught me, and I, you know, I've talked about it before. I come from the northern northern Michigan grouse woods, and pheasant hunting kicks my 
tail <laughs> coming through the tall grass. And I re- recognize that there's a short joke coming at some point. Yeah, he, he cut us off. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, walking 8 or 10 miles, you know, it, that's one thing. But walking 8 or 10 miles through kosher, through mm-hmm. blue stem, I mean, how many times did you catch me falling on camera during this, you know, if six days of, of walking across the Dakotas multiple times once or twice for sure <laughs> <laughs> how many times did you fall uh I don't think I fell oh you're I, so I, full I, I don't think I fell <laughs> he's full of no that's already. one thing I noticed about it he, he he you know as a photographer videographer you know most of them are worried about the shot this and that he was out just he was looking all around looking down and around <laughs> like, you know which is awesome for a videographer you know to actually you know care about the stuff he's walking through oh what's this and what's that and that's cool but uh but yeah, that might get you in the end. I don't know. You just got to worry about the shot. My man. day will come. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure of it. <laughs> you saw a lot of different dogs from uh, English Cocker yeah, with from Emily Spolier, um, Wire Hair with Renee, mm-hmm. um, the Epignol Breton uh, Baxter, French Brittany, a variety of short hairs, Labrador Retriever with Aspen and uh, Golden Retrievers. Um, Emily's setter too. Yeah, Emily Riggins. had a setter. What else am I missing? We we had a um, the usual variety pack. Very very big variety. Pointers and flushers. All hunting together in harmony. Yeah, <laughs> no snobs. Yeah, they did do pretty well. There wasn't any bickering between the dogs. Um, no fought over roosters. Um, what, what kind of style caught your attention? Knowing asking a duck hunter this is probably a loaded question, but what? What caught your attention out of the dog work? Uh, the I think the pointers caught my attention the most. It was amazing to watch, especially your dogs, just not move a muscle when they see a bird. And Logan would give me uh, the little finger in the air saying, get ready, get your camera up if I wasn't recording already. Um, so it's just amazing to, to watch them and how smart they are and how much ground they cover. It's, they said three times as much ground as we cover, right? That's the, yeah, at least, at least. I think, yeah. yeah. Yeah, generally when we look at the garments at the end, it's it's minimum of six times. Hmm. Um, it, it, they cover a lot of ground. Yes, they do. Yeah. Hopefully they're generally, or hopefully they're covering the ground where you want them to. You know, sometimes <laughs> it's like, why is my dog two hundred yards? Yeah, you said two hundred meters on the corner. Oh, okay, <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> I heard that a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of walking compared to duck cutting. A little bit of different dog work. Um, anything else that um, let's ask a different question what about what about the um, comparison that things that you found similar um i think the camaraderie between you guys listening to you guys communicate and just having the stories being told at the end of the day Mm -hmm. when we all gather at the trucks um it's all laughs bird or no bird you know um that's one of my favorite parts about waterfall hunting it's not necessarily all about the number of birds you shoot but it's getting ready in the morning it's the preparation it's talking down spending or sitting down and talking about the plan what you want to do getting everyone's input mm-hmm. it's not what i've noticed with you guys it's not one person saying we're going to do this we're going to do that you guys are all you you, you come together as a team and you figure out the best strategy hmm. you you've been really consistent when i've asked you that question in a variety of ways over the course of the week you know what do you love most about duck county or what you know what wh- why do you enjoy getting out because you go like 
overnight sleeping in your boat to lock down spots in, in Minnesota. Yeah. And you consistently say, you know, put on a couple of good tunes. Who's your guy? Morgan Wallen. Morgan Wallen. Uh, put on some good tunes and sit in the duck boat, take a nap, and then just, you know, talk a share stories with your buddies yeah absolutely that's that's my favorite part you know and my other favorite part would be like introducing new people to the mm. sport um a couple of my roommates i've introduced um got them on their first bird and uh, that's the most gratifying feeling is seeing their excitement and uh i have uh my buddy who comes with in films and it's it's great to get those moments on video that they're going to be able to have forever uh, i wish i had my first duck on video you know mm. What was your first duck? Drakewood duck. Yeah? How did it happen? Uh, my buddy Sam Jorsky took me out, and uh, early morning, it, just a silhouette, and we were checking our watches. The second uh, the shooting light came around, um, you know, you get the butterflies in your stomach, and <laughs> just rounded the corner, came right overhead, hmm. and uh, knocked it down. And we didn't have a dog, so I was the bird dog. <laughs> Went behind us, grabbed it, and uh, yeah. He was he was hyping me up. He's I can't believe you hit that yada yada, and it's it's a great time. So <clears throat> you we made you tag along all these miles, both in a vehicle and um, in your thoroughgoods, mm-hmm. uh, with a camera or a video video camera or a still camera, either one. No shotgun. So when you do get on your uh, you know your some free time and grab a shotgun, is there something that you're hoping comes together for your first upland bird? What do you mean by that? Do you have a a hope for like you want to get a rooster in some place special in Minnesota or on a trip? Is it, have you thought about like daydreamed about what you want for success in the uplands? I would, I mean. I think it's every hunter's dream to go out on your first hunt for a certain species and, and of course, knock a bird down. Um, but, no, I, I would love to go out with you guys, whether it's on um, on film or not, um, and actually have the chance to shoot. Um, not shooting a camera. I, I, was shoot, I was shooting this week, but in a different way. But, uh yeah, any bird or not. Well, it'll save a spot for me in that sweet duck boat of yours, and oh. then maybe I'll, I'll swap you. <laughs> you know, you can, you can follow a little Baxter around. All right, deal. Well, looking forward to, as we record this, we haven't seen all the video work, so now the pressure's on. The pressure is on. <laughs> is there something you captured that you're super excited to put into YouTube? I mean, from a person that just consumes YouTube <laughs> hunting video, what did you capture that you just cannot wait to figure out how to set it up? Uh, I think it was Logan's bird. I think it was his third bird that we had um, at our second-to-last spot yesterday. Uh, I shot that in 120, so it would be really nice and slow-mo, and the bird just cut across the frame, and I got it right over his shoulder, and you could see it hit the ground, and I'm, I'm super excited to see that <laughs> in post. And, and that was the bird right off uh, little Gitchy Goomy's point. Yep. Nice. That's right. That's right. That was a that was an important bird for Gitchy too. Nice. I want to just take a moment and thank our on the wing sponsor, South Dakota Tourism in South Dakota Game, Fish, and Parks. There's still time to plan your South Dakota adventure in pheasant hunting heaven. Find places to stay 
and season information at huntthegreatest.com. Uh, all right, switching the conversation over to Ben. Ben, you have a unique title in the organization. You are the, I, I got to even look at it, the Soil Health and Habitat Specialist, the only person to ever have that title. Explain it to to our listeners. Well, yeah, I, I took today off to hunt with you guys. I talk about work, Bob. So, <laughs> um, no, no. Yeah, so Soil Health and Habitat Specialist, uh, it's, uh, you know, there's been a lot of uh, things coming around with uh, the soil health movement, cover crops, crop rotations. Obviously, we got a lot of our biologists are focusing on permanent habitat and CRP and um, you know the bread and butter type of programs and mm-hmm. habitat that that really create you know a lot of birds. But um, there's a lot of opportunity elsewhere on pasture land, on cropland, um, hayland, even things like that. And so the inspiration you know was, came from producers who were doing some really creative things and trying to you know make the most out of their property. And and when they do that, uh, they actually end up creating some additional temporary habitat for for pheasants, for quail sharp-tailed grouse deer and the like uh pollinators as well so uh the last three years has been really cool seen some really neat operations doing uh and again i i kind of just piggyback off of what some of the real kind of creative progressive farmers are doing and and share their uh share their story um and uh try to spread the good word that way and and try to find habitat in unlikely places i guess and try to create it in Mm -hmm. more or less non-traditional places And, and you were on a podcast Boy, I want to say it was three years ago. Now. Yeah. Uh, um, I think it was me, you, and Ristow and Morlock recorded in Pier. Yep. Um, I maybe was on my way to hunt chickens in Sharptail. Sounds I right. Believe. And you talked a little bit about uh, it was new at that time, the saline soils initiative, yeah. and that's that's part of what you're you're doing too. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's a that's the lowest hanging fruit as far as habitat acres go, or potential habitat acres, both in North Dakota, South Dakota, even talk Colorado, up to Saskatchewan. Yeah. Um, it's it's a big issue uh, agronomically, environmentally, and. But we've been having some really good luck uh, putting grass on the ground on those acres. It's a no-brainer for producers, and and that's been a really fun thing trying to help their bottom line. And again, it's this position is is very much a kind of have your cake and eat it too. Finding those types of opportunities where we can help a producer's bottom line and so, grow a bird. For me, soil health is a really hard thing to comprehend. Right, non-biologist, non-farmer, <clears throat> the saline soils concept makes it extremely visual and easy to understand so kind of explain that from a you know person driving down 80 i-80 in south dakota mm-hmm. right they are uh, 90 north, maybe. 90 yeah, sorry yeah, or, okay. or north to south 29 yeah, yeah. they can see what what saline is on the ground right right and uh salinity and soda acres are going to be those classic it looks like you know snow on the ground almost these uh the salts have concentrated up on the top on the top of the soil and pretty much restrict any plant growth uh crops or, or otherwise um so it takes basically we've been finding out in a lot of partners south dakota corn nrcs sdsu the universities the, the the cool thing is that the best way to solve that problem is uh is planting perennial grasses which in turn hey that's mm-hmm. fantastic pheasant habitat especially nesting habitat um so those are some of the probably when you're talking soil health the worst the worst of the worst as far as soil health goes but um the other you know all the other acres out there again just range pasture cropland etc 
it's uh yeah it's all about carbon it's all about putting carbon back into the ground um and and keeping it there and keeping that underground life growing and mm. we're finding out that underground life you know microbes and bugs and insects transfers to above ground healthy ecosystems too and we find that you know earthworms are a good indicator of good soil health we've actually had pictures and photos of pheasant crops full of earthworms is that and, right? and i mean if that doesn't tell you that there's a connection between the two i don't know what the heck does i mean huh. um that uh you know just the birds and the critters we care about you know benefit just as much as the healthy soils as anything else so that sparks my interest is you know a guy that lives in pheasant valhalla have you ever opened up the crop of a pheasant and like holy shit where did that come from yeah no 100 percent. what I, was it uh well milkweed seed huh uh, i found a pheasant crop full of milkweed one time and uh spiders uh other insects insects you wouldn't even that look like something out of uh some sci-fi movie um but i mean these are all these things that that live you know in the bottom two inches and the top two inches of the mm. ground and, and they're opportunistic and they'll find it so again the the critters at that soil surface and even ag ground i mean uh, with a healthy healthy soil system uh can provide habitat food potential mm. you know forage and things like that so it's a very new kind of concept i guess maybe on more of the wildlife side versus the agronomic side of things mm-hmm. but we're finding cool stuff daily i mean it just is anecdotal but it's but it it kind of makes sense if you have any you know kind of biological mindset you know right as I often say, it all goes back to the web of life, and everything is interconnected, right? No, those, those, yeah, that that uh, picture in your t- biology textbook in seventh grade that had the food web there. I mean, it's, yeah. it's 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 us biologists. You know, we talk big, but it's it's as simple as that. <laughs> I'm a youper, so that was the uh, sophomore year of high school before I saw. Ah, that. sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so we're going to transition to kind of recapping rooster road trip. Um, today's action in uh, eastern South Dakota um, as I get uh, visited by one of the <laughs> furry creatures in, on Beth, <laughs> in Ben's ranch. She's got claws. Uh, um, all right. So thank you, first of all, to our Rooster Road Trip sponsors making uh, the 2021 Rooster Road Trip possible. Browning, shotguns, and all the apparel. Uh, thorough good boots. She got two thumbs up from Hunter. He's uh, he, he broke them in big time here on on the Rooster Road Trip. Sound gear, hearing protection, Rufflin kennels where all our dogs are sacked out and no doubt sleeping hard right now. Uh, federal premium ammunition. Every shot taken ever on the Rooster Road Trip was with a federal shotgun shell. Garmin, e-collars, and electronic dog training systems. South Dakota tourism, where we've been here, the second leg of Rooster Road Trip. And Apple Auto, who uh, once again supplied us with the Ford F-150 uh, decked out in Rooster Road Trip wrap. Um, thank you very much, Apple Auto, for um, outfitting us for Rooster Road Trip 2021. Uh, we got up early this morning, Andrew, and, and made our way uh, to Ben's neighborhood. We we uh, visited. You know, we, I'm wearing, and you're wearing the same thing. Actually, we're matching. Right now. That's yeah. for cute. <laughs> for cute. We're wearing our public land creator sweatshirt. Our, flash sale that we had um, late this summer. Yeah, it was a donation campaign specifically geared uh, towards our Build a Wildlife area 
uh, program, and that tied into our Call of the Uplands campaign, uh, which we as an organization are, are in the midst of. So the idea was to get up a little bit early. Um, it's still a reasonable hour, considering the fact you can't even start chasing roosters in this great state until 10. Hmm. Um, but I honestly just wanted to put eyes on the Kessler uh game production area. Um, so this is 400 acres of newly minted, publicly accessible uh, ground um, that we just uh, made public maybe... Um, I think it was two months. No, it was September, September 10th. So this, on, this fall, right? Yeah, it was on, I was on the way to Sharpie Opener in North Dakota when um, we stopped and visited. So yeah. And as, as an employee of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, it's just really special to mm-hmm. actually go and put eyes on something that that's tangible. It's like this is our work actually paying off. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a beautiful property already. Um, I know they're doing more restoration work on it. So we we uh, pulled up and you know a, a covey of sharp tails greeted us and flew across the road. So there's already you know some some beautiful winged birds uh, playing around on it. But we opted uh, not to hunt it. I will be back. <laughs> um, you know, once some of that more restoration work is probably it was a little complete. thin for us to bring out the the entire crew and hunt just because it's newly planted, mm-hmm. and um, we saw five roosters on it, but mm-hmm. <laughs> they saw us. You would have been busted fast. I <laughs> yeah, there was no yeah. chance. But uh, the, it, it is developing um, very beautifully. It's got rolling hills and some cattails and willows and. Um, you, you probably drive by that once a week, maybe. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm probably selfishly probably going to receive the, the most out of, you know, the enjoyment out of that. I mean, being that it's about eight miles from home and, uh, but it's, it's, it's really cool. Not just, uh, on the upland side of things, there's even some, some partridge, not to lie, uh, not going to lie, uh, you know, you know, within that area. So you might even get that trifecta chance out there, but it's kind of a neat area. East meets West, a lot of cultural significance, you know, there's, pincushion cactus up on the some of the hills up there and then there's some funky you know flowers and eastern prairie species out there so it's it's got a lot of you know cultural and, and ecological significance overall and you know i cheese out there every time i go out it's it's, it's a bio it is it's neat it's neat well it's not hard to, well, to be impressed by this area in general just the, mm-hmm. this whole glacial lakes area of south dakota is just gorgeous Mm -hmm. um it's not the south dakota that most people think of when it's you know they're probably envisioning flat ground corner beans and some grass here and there and there's plenty of that in this state and it holds lots of birds Uh, but this just goes to show the variety in the state and kind of you can choose your favorite flavor if you want depending on what corner of the state you want to go to and you'll find birds all over Um, so just to get that variety um was was really great today and this is kind of your place to go isn't it when you well you i know you have two places in south dakota you frequent this is part of one of those two areas isn't it yeah i've been using and abusing lardy's hospitality (laughs) for a while now (laughs) he he, uh he unfortunately opened up that door years ago um and so my my friends and i actually have been coming out here for a long time Mm. uh, whenever we've been lucky enough to draw the non-resident waterfall uh, licenses and now hunters also going to be applying so that just 
drops my odds by one more group, but that's okay. Um, so it's just, it's a special area. It's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. It's another part of the state that just thoroughly uh, embraces hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a pretty cool mix of waterfowl and upland guys mm-hmm. driving around. So even when you're looking for another spot to put the bird dogs down and chase around roosters, just cause there's a, a truck at, at the crep, it doesn't mean you, you struck out. Like you actually have to do a little bit of investigating to see, okay, are these waterfall guys yeah. or, or are these upland guys? And you just kind of read between the lines of, all right, I bet they're, they're down on that slough over there. We can still, we can still hunt this, this stretch. And, um, you know, in terms of a mixed bag opportunity, it's not uncommon to go do your sit, slam a couple birds and then, Don your blaze orange cap mm-hmm. and vest on your way back and, and go chase the roosters you heard cackling all mm-hmm. morning behind you. That's that's really funny. I, I was at uh, the Day County Courthouse uh, pouring, just, I'm a nerd, but uh, <laughs> but there was an old article, uh, Clark Gable, the old actor, famous, I, Gone with the Wind, correct? Uh, uh, Clark Gable, you know, and uh, there's, he used to hunt up in this area, and there's an excerpt in the Webster Reporter Farmer saying that, yep, we woke up, caught a pile of uh, walleye pike, they used to call them walleye pike back in the day, about 10 o'clock, we shot a limit of pheasants, and then uh, I finished off the day shooting a you know, nice limit of greenhead mallards. Hmm. So, no, that's the exact same sentiment, uh, you know, 70 years ago as it is uh, today, and it is special in that way. Speaking of history, here's a curveball for you, Marty, but it's at the town nearest your, your home. Saw a sign for the Vinegar Museum. Sure. What, what's the Vinegar Museum? Well, vinegar is a, an interesting, I'm no chemist, but it's an interesting uh, concoction, I guess, that supposedly is a do-all, whatever, uh, you know, cleaner, this and that. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Lawrence Diggs, a uh, local guy around here, started that up, uh, super knowledgeable guy, and, you know, uh, just basically dedicated uh, uh, an entire museum to, to vinegar, and they even make vinegar malts and shakes uh, in rosin, which sounds absolutely awful, but... Yeah, it's a magical uh, concoction, I guess. So it's, it, I don't know. You can do whatever with it, clean with it, uh, you know, get, get your gut biome going, taking a shot of it, whatever. It's, uh, yeah. So that's it's, fun. There was also a sign for, with a guy holding an accordion. Is Myron Florin, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Myron Florin, I forget what Lawrence Lawrence Welk back in the day, uh, you know. the Who was from North Dakota. North Dakota, but, yes. Yeah. And Lawrence Welk and Myron Florin, I forget what his nickname was, like the squeezing Norwegian because he played the, uh, <laughs> the accordion. accordion. Yep. <coughs> or something similar to that. But, yes, yes, I think my great uncle played, uh, played a little music with him back in the day. But, anyhow. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a pretty big deal around here, and someday there'll be a Ben Lardy sign, I swear. Come for the birds, stay for the vinegar. Yeah. Listen to the accordion. A little po- so polka's a big deal here, huh? Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, and I, you know, I claim, I claim Grenville, all right, between Grenville and Rosin, and it's a good Polish Catholic community, and, uh, yeah, the, the, I guess uh, my IQ kind of fits them a little bit better than the, <laughs> than the Norwegians out there. But, no, I mean, two great small towns, two great small towns, and uh, and just, I mean, we're super fortunate to have the, the sportsmen and uh, the fisher, the hunters, and everything else out here that, that keep these little towns thriving, mm, and it's it, a big deal. It, it really is, and, it, it you know, Andrew talked about kind of his connection to this area, and this is where Meredith and I, when we after we got our first pup, Trammel, you know, probably her her first fall and her second fall, we'd come stay at the hotel across from the Terry Redland Museum and bounce around Webster, Wabe, um, 
South Shore, you know, all all around this area, hunting public lands, learning, learning, you know, my very first ever bird dog, and and just it's a beautiful place, you know, so many opportunities, and you do like you mentioned, you know, it, whether you're you're duck hunting or if you're pheasant hunting, and you could run into a sharpie or a hun or. <laughs> Or a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that rooster. A rooster. He was under the table not too long ago. Yeah. yeah. Was it? Yeah. I <laughs> uh, didn't, didn't catch that one. But, uh, yeah, it's a really cool area of the state. Very, very beautiful. So we, we went uh, at length about um, <laughs> the, you know, kind of Rosalind and some of the history. We went from uh, the Kessler game production area where we did not hunt before the 10 a.m. bell. And we came to Ben's place, and, and Ben said he could throw a baseball to the spot we started, which it, I, I call BS on because I don't think anybody has an I arm whip, quite dude. that I got good. a whip. I believe you get a – but uh, it, so it's within visual distance where we started it from, from your house. And that's a special spot because you mentioned that's your very first project you ever worked Yeah, on. yeah. No, it was uh, – CREP project and uh, the individual. So explain yeah. CREP. CREP, sorry, Conservation Reserve Enhancement Program, which is uh, when I started, it was uh, it was it and it still is. It's a very big deal out here because it combines the best of creating habitat, new habitat, quality habitat, and then also open to public access for mm-hmm. a ten-year period. And it's been very popular with landowners around here. We got some of the best around to work with, and you know, between here and Brown County, Aberdeen area, uh, we've been blessed with a, a ton of this type of uh, property and. And, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, like I said, the, they, these guys around here, these producers just make it almost too easy to do the job. I, they, they're very conservation-minded, and, and they, they understand the importance of uh, the, the hunting and uh, outdoors uh, economy and culture. And, um, but, yeah, it was a good one. We put up a few birds, by golly, so I, I, did, <laughs> I did my job at least, damn it. So, <laughs> so what, the, the landowner here, what was their impetus for getting it enrolled? Yeah, yeah, it was kind of cool. So this guy's from uh, Worthington, Minnesota area, Nobles County area, which is a very popular pheasant destination mm-hmm. in, in Minnesota. And um, from here originally, but he just, you know, he's thinking about doing CRP, but he saw this crap and he's like, I don't, I don't really get up there that often as much as I like to bird hunt. And you guys need a spot to hunt too, so I'm going to do it and, and keep it open to, open to public access. That, I mean, that was his words verbatim. And, wow. and that, that that did kind of give you a little tingle. It's mm-hmm. like, man, this guy, this guy's. He gets it. <laughs> he gets it. He mm-hmm. gets it. And uh, you know, and, and honestly, I've tried to, I've tried to keep that mentality myself. You know, this time of year, I get a lot of just out-of-state hunters calling and things like that. And what am I going to hide these forty thousand acres to myself and not? And no, right. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I do my best to try to help out people and talk to them at the bar, talk to them wherever in town, and and give them some uh, spots if they're new to the area. So. Yeah, it was, it was kind of cool first project, and and I think like I said, his, his words kind of you know stuck with me and try to try to pass that forward. So, so in your eyes, um, Andrew, so we 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 leave our trucks and we're heading over. This, it was beautiful blue stem. And then take us through that walk. Yeah, it just it, it felt so good to start that walk this morning. It was a beautiful morning, mm-hmm. probably low forties, uh, waist high blue stem. It, it was just again you know you can see the water in the background it's like this is what south dakota is all about um so we we crested this hill and ben and i were we're kind of on the left edge of the group and we're walking the hard edge and then we we hit some cattails and there's like a dirty little finger of land that that stuck out into the water 
And Ben suggested, well, why don't some of you go go walk that that dirty little stuff, and, and we'll cut through the cattails. And uh, it just it just looked dirty. Mm-hmm. It just it's kind of it was like, okay, there's your natural choke point. This is <laughs> if there's anything in this field that that we've been pushing, they're gonna get up right there. Um, so we all keyed in on it as as avid upland hunters. Like we were very ready, um, but nothing produced. And then I looked at Ben like. What, did you just go hunt this yesterday? <laughs> yeah, right. I knew we were coming to town. Come on, man. No, but uh, we were we were both kind of like, well, oh, that's that's not a good sign. There should, there should have been like not even a hen, man. Like, what, what's going on? Um, but we uh, we we picked ourselves up by our bootstraps and, <laughs> and we we cut across another cattail slough, which ended up having water above my knees by accident. Love so. That. So, Sorry about that. <laughs> so, 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 so Ben, you know, just marched me straight through that after giving him some grief over not producing birds in the first half an hour. Um, but again, we, we cut back into the grass, hit a hard edge and then rode that down towards a willow thicket and another cattail slough. Mm-hmm. Um, and if anyone's been paying attention this entire trip, you know, this is the, the fourth installment. Guess where the birds were in the cattails. It is remarkable to me that... I mean, it's been, we on six days, we've had one, I'd call bad weather day. But every, all the birds are in the cat. I, 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 I don't get it, and I don't want to believe it, because I'm looking forward to, you know, going back home and then starting my normal fall routine. Mm-hmm. And I just want to cut my dog loose by myself in some beautiful grass right. and have them slam on point. Right. I don't want to have to immediately go to the cattails. I know as a Minnesota hunter that cattails are inevitable. Mm-hmm. I'll see you in late November and December. Mm-hmm. Trust me, you know, the reservation has been made. We'll be there. I don't want to do that in late October. Like, that's that's not what <laughs> Testify, I Testify, brother. <laughs> it's, I, it's I'm right like, there with but, you. But if that's where they are, that's where they are. So we walked down this edge, and uh, we must have been pushing them all the way through mm-hmm. because once we hit that hard stopping point, it was just bird after bird after bird, and there are 95% hens, but it was still so fun to watch. And finally, a rooster gave us a shot, and uh, someone connected. I wasn't I wasn't part of the group shooting, but you know, it, it kind of sailed across the, the wetland and landed in more beautiful grass across. And then uh, the group went around the, the wetland, and, and Ben's seven-year-old lab, Woodrow, uh, was able to, to make the connection and make the retrieve, and we were we were on the board. Woodrow. Woodrow, Woodrow, and I got to give Kelly credit. Like I said, she trains them every day, puts like four treats around the house, and uh, makes him use his nose. So find it, find the treats, and that's that's what we do when we get a down bird, and it, it might work. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. If, I don't know if Dokken does that or not as part of his book, or, you know, but we'll <laughs> my God, we might be onto something there. So Well, it worked. We were, we were on the board. We, we got our bird. You know, the, the pressure was off, and mm-hmm. now we're just enjoying a beautiful day. Uh, we kind of started hightailing it back towards the truck, but there was a sliver of grass around this, this wetland area. Um, it was maybe only 10 yards wide, and the cattails themselves were, were pretty pretty minimal, so mm-hmm. maybe only another three yards of cattails. And Woodrow was in there, Baxter was in there. Like, I just couldn't pull him out to, to save my life. It was like one of those, like, I kind of wanted to get back to the truck to get to another spot, but... You? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is March, people. March. Right. Um, but sure sure enough, we kicked up another mm-hmm. three hens. So, you know, that first walk, we're probably 15 birds in the air. I mean, that's pretty darn phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you, you can't be upset with that. Mm. Um, they're not all going to be roosters. That's, that's fine. Um, so it's just so fun to see that many birds in the air. And 
it was slightly different than our North Dakota experience, where it was like, you know, 50, 100 <laughs> yards away. Mm-hmm. At least these ones were getting your heart rate up. Right. You know, there they were a couple racing. where you almost stepped on them, you mm-hmm. know, as, as Hunter was talking about, just kind of like that surprise and that explosion. Like, it was it was a really fun first walk. Yeah. It was, <clears throat> it was really a, a very nice retrieve from Woodrow, too. Um, you, you know, because that bird sailed over a wetland. We had a pretty good mark, but you just never know. And after coming up shy on a crippled bird yesterday, that was a very, very heartening to see Woodrow come back to you with it. Those are big wins, man. Yeah, when that happens, oh, for sure, for sure. And uh, no, it's I, the owner can't take any uh, credit for it. That's for dang sure. But no. Woodrow, where's the name come from? Yeah, by God, Woodrow, you know, Lonesome Dove. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Augustus McRae and Woodrow F. Call and uh, favorite movie. Uh, watch it about once a month still probably, <laughs> sadly. But really? Yeah, yeah. It's a good movie about the West, about, you know, the, the you know, the good country out uh, west of the Mississippi and just mm-hmm. uh, good cowboy life. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately now settled down as a dirty chicken and hog farmer. But that's uh, that's all right, though. Either way, it, it still provides a lot of inspiration about adventure and uh, good times with the boys. So. Well. Woodrow delivered, so that was that was a terrific way to uh, kick off the day, really. Um, from from that walk, when we started moving, I guess we moved west, right? Yep, we went west, and and we we started um, visiting state-owned GPAs, game production areas. So tell us about um, um, maybe the first spot we we stopped at then. Yeah, that game production area uh, just outside of Roslyn. It's uh, it's our. I mean, I can't say enough about what our uh, what Game Fish and Parks does as far as habitat goes. Very, uh, very intensely managed. Um, they're you know they're always trying to keep their property uh, as as hunter friendly and as habitat friendly as possible. Um, you know, we kind of ran into a good mix of uh, kind of uh, shrub thickets and some uh, kind of weedy ground in between the shrubs, which I had, you know, those those weedy, scraggly areas always screams birds to me at least. Um, walked down that. I think uh, Hunter and I took the wrong wrong turn at the end of it because there's about 12, 10, 12 birds that skirted us, and uh, yeah, had a lot to say about that. We would have hated. <laughs> things won't be repeated on the podcast, but uh, yeah. Um, but we did get it uh, push them into a cattail slough, kind of, and, and kind of use that cattail or the rushes as kind of a, a poster for us. We kind of pushed them in there, and and they they held. And we had a chance at you know some close flushes, right? Yep. But uh, again, it was, it was a lot of hens. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a couple wily roosters backdoored us for sure, and um, a couple got out pretty far in advance too. Yep. But but again, we we're seeing a lot of birds. Mm-hmm. We we moved a lot of birds today. Yeah, that that um, first game production area, ballpark number of birds, probably two dozen in you know an hour. Mm-hmm. Hunter, mm-hmm. did you get any of those on film? Uh, I did get a, a nice hen flushing out. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that it, it, you write about um, you know every place we visit, particularly the state-owned um, GPAs. They do have a nice mix. Uh, obviously, they're planting grass, right? Um, but there's a lot of shelter belts, food plots. They're they're very active, trying to work in on um, um, creating the best situation for habitat for the birds out here. No, definitely, definitely. And uh, yeah, like I said, um, 
it's uh, you know, and it's not going to be the same same thing. You know, you look at that big red that there's going to be red on your public atlas. You know, it's not the same every spot you go to. I mean, uh, but they do their best as far as uh, you know upland hunting opportunities. Uh, when it's available a lot of people see that big blotch of red on the map and those can get hit kind of hard at times but you got to be you know you, you a little sneaky about it and okay there's a maintenance road going down to the one like we did and uh you know typically that means less pressure and more opportunity that that is a question that i was going to ask you when you're looking at that atlas <clears throat> as a bi- through a biologist's eyes mm-hmm. and you see you know, a, um, a CREP walk-in program here, or a state GPA over here, WPA, um, or a complex of a variety of them. When, when you look at the map and all the different colors, what's like the, the recipe that when you see that town of map? And you're like, uh, a new place, that's what I'm gonna go try first. You know, there there is no rhyme or reason. I've been here a decade now, and honestly, like even the last spot we got to, which we'll talk about, but uh, you know, I don't even know. You know, as a person that works in this county, I don't even know what the status is of every piece. And and Lord knows, a out of state hunter wouldn't either. But keeping an open mind, and as the hunters, you know, we get we get cocky about it, and we think, okay, I got these things patterned. You know, this time of year they're going to be this. Mm-hmm. You don't. You just gotta go, man. You gotta put you eyes get, on you, it too, you, you, though, especially this year. You gotta put eyes. You gotta put feet on it, man. Yeah. I mean, that's. I, I hate to say it. I wish I had the the recipe, but um, but the beauty is out here with you know in this northeastern part of the state, the sheer amount of public land we have between walking, crep, game fishing parks areas, waterfall production areas, you're gonna find something. You know, we ran into that one hunter at the other spot, drove five miles down the road, on a just as good a cover. You know, and it obviously you had drought throughout much of South Dakota, but it doesn't appear that the drought was horrible here because the the cover at least to my eyes for you know my travels in september and october have been far worse more central part of the state than they are here there's a the grass seems a bit taller no matter where we we looked yeah yeah we're in pretty good shape we were pretty fortunate and uh caught some late late summer rains early fall rains and um so again just uh but yeah that central part of the state got hit pretty hard um and they just typically are a little bit drier and they kind of live and die by the moisture mm-hmm. they get um, if anybody familiar with this area, yeah, we got a lot of water to, to give, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of perch sloughs and a lot of duck sloughs and things like that. So when we draw, when water draws down, we actually create some upland habitat uh, mm-hmm. with that. But all right, our final walk of the day was another game production area. Um, well, that was, it was really a combo. Uh, it was a, a crap and game production area combo. Uh, big, big complex with a wetland through the middle of it. Um, talk, take us through um, our our walk there, Andrew. Yeah, we we rolled up uh, via another minimum maintenance road, um, hoping to, to give ourselves a shot at, at walking something maybe someone hadn't hit earlier that day. Cause it was later in the afternoon at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, pulled up and again, it was more beautiful grass. It had had more thistle in it than than I would have liked, and I think maybe the dogs would have liked. Um, but I guess that's just me, you know, first world bird hunter problems, <laughs> right? Um, but the uh, the crep was looking really really low in mm-hmm. terms of it. It had clearly been grazed recently, mm-hmm. um, but it made a hard line with the grass that was part of the GPA. Um, so we walked that straight down uh, again, trying to just utilize that edge and then pinch him at a hard hard wall which would be the cattails mm-hmm. um so we did that and 
sure enough, we, we, we kicked up a, a hen not too far into our walk and then made, made a, a, you know, kind of gate swing back towards the east and, and rode that, that cattail slough for a little while until we discovered a, a nasty little barbed wire fence that just was in an inopportune place, which you're going to deal with that from time to time. So we, we exercised some caution and broke away from the cattails and got back into the grass. But right when we did that, you know, we, we kicked up two more hens. Mm-hmm. And so the, the theme of today, I mean, it was, it, it was ladies night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, it was, it was hens everywhere. Um, but again, it's, it's just so great to, to put a bird in the air and, mm-hmm. and just know that, okay, we're, we're doing everything right. Right. Like, like there, there's nothing more we, we could have done because when you're moving that many birds, it almost just comes down to chance. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of surprising that a rooster didn't slip up here or there and give us an opportunity, but you know, we, we played our hand very well, I yeah. think. Well, it's interesting because as, as Ben, the property we started at, which we can see from uh, out the back door, I'm calling it the back door now. Um, you can see and you're like, yeah, you know, uh, probably four people hunted a year. <laughs> right, right. right? I'm, yeah. not a, I'm not exaggerating. No. Oh, that's what you said, right? Yeah, yeah, no, no question. Uh, and again, we're blessed with, with the amount of public we got. And I just, I think anybody that's, that's looking to, you know, try South Dakota out for the first time or try try a new area, I, you know, just you can't beat the spot. And we talk about good grass, right? And we right. hunt the good grass pretty much the whole day. And, you know, good grass, and, you're, and I mean, it's, there's a lot of different cover a person can can hunt or if you're new to upland hunting but pheasant hunting in particular but you know that shoulder chest high grass whether it be blue stem or wheat grass or something like that i can't yeah you can't stress enough that good grass will it's not always the best but it's the most consistent yep and where i was going with that though is okay so here's yeah. this property great big complex beautiful grass cattails and it was loaded with hens right, right and it, right. they're not I mean, we're, we're a week into the season, right? In two weeks, if you count the resident opener, and probably nobody or maybe one group has walked through that piece of property. The roosters haven't been shot out. No. It's not no. that. It, it's just luck of the draw. <laughs> and like like you mentioned, today was ladies' night. Yep. And, and, you know, sure, some roosters over these places that we hunted had to have been bagged and taken home and hit the skillet. No doubt about it. But partly, it just, you know, luck of the draw. And, and we all know, you know, anybody that's hardcore pheasant hunter knows hens just hold so much better they they, they, they play the game <laughs> you, you, so you see them more often yep. there's so many roosters that we probably walked by skirted around us um you know i mean that's the reality of bird hunting it, it, you know the pheasant's first instinct is to run and they're darn good at survival and even you know with with a pack of bird dogs you know, they will survive. Um, so that's good news. And good news, right? No, you can't complain about it one bit. And if, if, if flushing up 12 hens at your feet doesn't get you just as excited as begging, <laughs> I don't know, man. You find, find another hobby, personally. <laughs> True, but, uh, right? I mean, it's, it's, uh, I, I, I love today. It was uh, as good as it gets. Even with one bird bagged or however many we got, it, it, was, it was pretty solid. Well, thank you for uh, being our tour guide today. Um, I always love hanging out with you. you got such a great personality, and, uh, you know, I tease you all the time that you're the stand-up comedian of Pheasants Forever. I put you on the spot, but I, I just can't help but smile when I'm, when I'm hunting with Ben Lardy. And you got to have a friend like that because it, uh, that, it, it goes back to what Hunter talks about. You know, part of 
the joy of walking a upland field is you know you don't you get to spend it with people you like and enjoy and make you laugh and that's part of the experience even if it's a a ladies night in South Dakota (laughs) no no doubt uh yeah now that we're winding down yeah I just just so you know, I didn't, I didn't really put you on the best spots, but that's all right. That's, that's <laughs> likewise, I mean, <laughs> likewise, yes, it's, it's camaraderie, man. Yeah, I did think, yeah, yeah. I, when we pulled up to that last spot, <clears throat> I did think, oh, he was holding because that last spot looked epic. And then you're like, yeah, we're going to hunt this side of the wetland. That's like, you dirty rascal. Because uh, yeah. did you see the other side of the mm-hmm. wetland, the, the shelter belts and the food flats? The wife and I, got <laughs> we got an anniversary here at the end of the month, so, and she likes to bird hunt too, so sorry, bud. Well, I hope you guys have a wonderful day pheasant hunting that uh, shelter belt and food plot tomorrow. Oh, yeah, it'll be it'll be cherry. <laughs> no, thank you, Bob. Thank you, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. Um all right, so we are going to do one more wrap-up podcast after we let it marinate. But you can still go online right now and become a member and get entered in to win what, Andrew? Well, if you go to roosterroadtrip.org, uh, you'll also be able to catch the fourth installment of, of our videos, uh, another new photo gallery, um, some new stories. Uh, you'll also have the opportunity to, to sign up, join uh, renew, extend your membership, and we'll send you an, a pretty legit browning field and feather uh, style knife with the sheath. And then while you're there, just fill out a simple form and uh, you'll have a chance to win the uh, browning Maxis 2 shotgun that Logan's been shooting um, all day. And I, I think, Ben, you're, you're carrying carrying it today yeah, too. Yeah man, if you're shooting sus, get a Maxis, that's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's no better way, or no better compliment for that gun. So it'll magically cure all that ails you in, in the shooting world. Um, but yeah, this is this is the fourth and final installment when it comes to you know our in the field podcast and in the field videos. And I hope people have enjoyed them at this point. You know, we're we're still live out here, so I have no idea what, they, what it all looks like and how it's all going to shake out. But I really They're going to be epic, right, Hunter? They're going to be yep. epic. I do hope people at home have enjoyed us uh, trying something new. Um, we're definitely open to feedback. Um, you know, nothing has to stay the same, right? It just took us 12 years to try something new. So mm. um, hopefully it all works out. No pressure, Hunter. <laughs> and folks, it, it, you know, we know through analytics, Rooster Road Trip podcast are some of the most listened to episodes of this podcast. Um, please take the time to join this organization whether you're a pheasant hunter or a quail hunter pheasantsforever.org quailforever.org one of the beautiful pieces of this organization is the the combination of public land and private land habitat work and we we work with private landowners through farm bill biologists folks like uh, ben lardy here soil health and habitat specialist um, we also work on public land creation, like we talked about with uh, the Kessler property, and the, bu- the uh, kind of the beautiful combination of both of them is when they come together and walk in programs like we talked about CREP, Conservation Reserve Enhancement Program, PLOTS in North Dakota. Pick your favorite acronym in your favorite state, and we work on that at the D.C. level and often at the state level to work with landowners and state agencies to enroll habitat in access. So we, it, the missing link is you. If you're not a member, 
we need you to join pheasantsforever.org or quailforever.org and no better time than roosterroadtrip.org and uh, you get a cool cool gift from browning and you're making a difference to our habitat mission that also includes public access so you can do your own rooster road trip or quail quest or grouse adventure whatever alliteration you want to you want to find and uh last thank you goes out to our rooster road trip partners um who have really uh, you know since the beginning of this concept stepped up and made it really financially uh viable for this organization browning thoroughgood boots sound gear ruffling kennels federal ammunition garmin south dakota tourism and apple autos thank you for putting your support financial support into this concept and in helping us uh put more habitat on the ground access in the fields and and more hunters in the field too so um for hunter booth for ben lardy for andrew vavra i'm bob st pierre reminding you to always follow the dog go out there and Get on your own rooster road trip and follow that dog's nose wherever it'll take you because you're going to have an adventure all your own. We'll be back with one more episode of Rooster Road Trip 2021. Thanks for listening.